Hey, folks. If you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. You've heard about how easy the app is to use. You've heard about the panoramic views from the seats. And you've heard about how Game Time is your go-to app year-round, not just during football season. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you do. Just download the Game Time app in the Google Player App Store, click on the My Ticket section on the app, create an account, and under Billing, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. All one word, THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's The Athletic for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, but it's only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code. So get it now. It expires at the end of the year, December 31st, 2019. Download Game Time, redeem the code The Athletic for $10 off your first purchase. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. Is all. The Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the LA Rams. How about them Cowboys indeed? Well, here we are. Back again for another hour plus of Cowboys talk. As the boys have prolonged the inevitable once more, and Jason, even Stephen Garrett, gets back to seven and seven. As the Cowboys demolish the Rams forty-four to twenty-one at home on Sunday afternoon, in a game that was never really close after zero to zero. So welcome back into about them Cowboys. Ken Garrison here, the George Lucas of the podcast, running things behind the scenes as our Cowboys Jedis guide you once again to the light side of the Force. First, we're welcoming back to the show. He's the one person I'm not sure has even seen Star Wars, but I would say he's probably the C-3PO of the show, maybe, because he knows everything and he's always there. It's Father John Mishoda. Hey, John. (laughs) Have you seen Star Wars? (laughs) You're right, I haven't. I haven't seen any of them. You have not seen Star Wars. There you go. I didn't... (laughs) Boom. I would have won that bet. No, I have no, I don't know. I just don't really like anything don't sci-fi time. at all. Like I love like oh. any drama, anything. If you just tell me it's loosely based on a true story, I'll watch it. But I, I have like, my mind will just not let, allow me to sit there and watch anything that's science fiction. Wow. That's, that's, uh, I apologize. Uh, not surprising. <laughs> I, that's why I, I yeah, preempted it that way. So there you go. Well, we're all coming back to the show. Uh, He's my Yoda of all things Cowboys, and he threatened not to come on the show unless I played a Ramit. So I played a Ramit. It's Brian Broaddus. Hey, Brian. 
Hey guys, I'm I'm the one guy that was actually around for the original Star Wars when like the characters were on strings and stuff. So uh, yeah, saw it in the I was theater. watching Star Wars before any of you guys were born. So uh, yeah, uh, it's we'll, good. Uh, we'll keep that. We'll keep that to where it is right it's now. Good. It's Star Wars week. It's in the air right now. It's good. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a good week. Uh, and we're welcoming back to the show. I guess he's the Obi Wan Kenobi of the show. It's Kevin KT Turner and KT. I would imagine. Uh, most people will probably remember this game as uh, the defer game <laughs> over time. Uh, so given how this one ended and given how last week ended, I don't know how to feel about this Cowboys team, but uh, I imagine we're going to find out next week against the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the number one takeaway, right? Is you kind of maybe look in the mirror and go, you know what? I give up. I really don't know what this team is uh, because I sure, certainly didn't see that coming. I think I predicted a 21 point victory from the Rams. Um, but the Rams didn't play well. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I saw, I was reading your piece uh, uh, over the weekend, John, before the game, kind of looking at, you know, 15 nuggets to get you ready for the game. And I saw the Jason Witten quotes that I thought were very interesting. Just kind of like, look, if you win, uh, you've got chaos. If you win, things are all good and you got good leadership. And if you lose, there's chaos in the locker room and, and everyone's quit. And it's just not that. It's just they weren't playing good enough. And what you saw today is you saw one team play really well and you saw the other team not play really well. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Um, I would like to start out with you guys, your kind of basic takeaways of the game, and then we'll kind of jump into specifics as we uh, move along here. Uh, we'll start with you, John. Now, my biggest takeaway is that you just – this team doesn't do what you think they're going to do. I mean, if you, you said that you didn't pick them, and I don't know anybody that did. And frankly, if you pick the Cowboys to win this game – you're just a homer to me. Like, you're not watching the game. You didn't watch any of the games up into this. You're just trying to be a homer and just say that, hey, you're going to pick the Cowboys to win because there's just no reason why you would think that they would win this game, much less play their best game of the year coming into this game when uh, they certainly were showing signs the last couple of weeks of, of not being a team that could even put together this type of performance. So, it, you know, on one side of me, I, I just look at it as, you know what this this did is it gave fans of this team hope that, hey, they can beat a good team. And, and the performance that they played with today, they can they could have beat anybody in the NFL today. The, but the flip side of it is, is this isn't about making the playoffs. They've made the playoffs before. Um, this is about winning multiple playoff games and making a run. And so while, you know, they, there was a lot of positive things that happened in this game, they won in, in, in some, they've done a lot of different things that, I mean, heck, I mean, their receivers didn't even, I think they combined for 22 yards, their top three receivers. I mean, there's just a lot of strange things that happened in this game, but they just played such a all-around, just a good game on, on all three phases of it that did, I, n- nobody could have seen this coming. So you see it and you're just kind of like, okay, is this them? Like, is this what we're going to see from now on? And I, I don't know, I guess I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but it just, it's, while it was a great one-day thing, I just don't all of a sudden see this, and I'm like, "Yep, now they're clicking. Everybody, get out of the way. They're st- they're going to go on this long winning streak now. Win these final two games. Win some playoff games. Like, I don't know. I, I just this could be just a fluke, but everything just seemed to go their way. Even when things didn't go their way, they eventually did. Whether it be the coin toss, whether it be uh, just plays that at one point it looked like Dak threw an interception, flag comes out, plays overturned. I mean, they're just. Everything went in that direction. Now it's, can you keep doing this? Can you do this against good teams multiple times? Because that's what you're going to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I kind of was looking at this game, and I, I'm, I'm clearly one of those guys that did not think that they were going to win this football game. And, uh, you know, and I don't think I'm a homer at all. I, I mean, I, I was looking at it from the – there's so many things that the Rams do offensively 
that the Cowboys just aren't very good defensively handling. And if you would have told me this game was going to be 44 to 21, I would have probably said the Rams would have won this game 44 to 21 because just didn't feel like that the Cowboys were playing well enough. And, you know, there are things, you know, defensively when you know, you play the Rams, you have to be able to, to get after Jared golf. That seems to be the one problem that he has, you know, when you look at his quarterback rating, he, when he's protected and he's one of the better protected quarterbacks in the league, a second, uh, you know, second when it comes to sacks, you know, allowed, uh, you know, with the, with the way the Rams have been playing and they've been very good the last eight games, uh, you know, protecting him. And so, you know, I kind of felt like, well, the Cowboys have been middle of the road when it comes to rushing the passer. They don't tackle very well. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, Gurley running the football and, you know, he's one of the better backs that, you know, that play in the league. And you're sitting there just kind of like thinking there's just no way that they, this Cowboy defense can hold up. And, you know, the Cowboy offense doesn't really finish many drives. I mean, they move the ball, they get a lot of yards and, you know, but people have figured out these coordinators the last couple of weeks have really figured out that make Dallas drive the ball and they'll make mistakes. And, you know, Wade Phillips is one of the better defensive coordinators in the league, but he really didn't have an answer. And I, I felt like that watching the game that, that really Kellen Moore did to the Rams what the Rams usually do to their opponents. And with the motion, uh, with the movement, uh, you know, he made these uh, – Kellen Moore made Wade Phillips's defense have to defend – the, not only the width of the field, but the vertical side of the field as well. You know, we saw with the Tavon Austin play down the field. They moved the pocket, you know, things like that. So, you know, things we usually see from the Rams and things that the Rams have been doing the last several weeks and these winning during the winning streak, you know, Kellen Moore kind of gave them a test, taste of their own medicine, uh, you know, running the football, uh, being creative, some of the play calls, the motions, the eye candies, things like that. That uh, you know that the that the Rams usually give you problems with. So uh, you know, as as I always want to be critical, and when it needs to be, you know, of Jason Garrett and the staff and the players. Well, this is one time you have to be fair about it and say they had an outstanding game plan on both sides of the football, and the players did a great job of going out there. And it's a shame it took the record to be six and seven before they realized they had to go out and they're capable of playing a game like that. But they sure did, and and give them credit for doing that. Okay, so let's let's start at the beginning. What the hell happened with the coin toss, uh, John? Did you get anything out of that out of the locker room? And and Bronis, you obviously worth the official post game show. Uh, did we ever get an official resolution on what happened with the coin toss? Yeah, what happened was, you know, Dak's supposed to say that if they don't want it, that they defer. So then they would defer because they won the toss. The Cowboys won the toss. So he's he's to say we defer. To the, and which would be the second half, so then they get to choose in the second half, which would be, well, if we're deferring, then we're going to take the ball in the second half. Well, he said that we're going to kick, and and then he said after that we're going to defer. So it, at first, when it, I think that the way the official took it was that he meant, like, and he even tried to double-check with him, like, so you're going to defer to them right now, and then you guys are going to kick it in the second half. And I don't think he understood what he was saying there, and that's why it was interesting to watch the replays, like, and obviously, there's tons of mics around. You can see some of the Cowboys players are laughing. The Rams players are laughing. Like, they just think that, you know, obviously the ref doesn't understand what they said. Uh, but it got to the point where they went to the league office on this, and the league office overruled it um, because, I guess, they went over the, the audio of it, and they actually heard Dak say defer. So the key thing was that he said defer. If he wouldn't have said defer, then there was a chance that they weren't they were going to have to kick off again in the second half. And I guess after the game, I wasn't in the Rams locker room, but I guess Jared Goff uh, told reporters – 
um, that the Rams thought that they were like when they went in the halftime locker room, they came out thinking that they were going to get the kickoff in the second half. So obviously for them, it didn't work out that well. And if it was a closer game, I think it's a bigger storyline. Um, but basically, yeah, they it just it kind of got mixed up the way that that Dak said it, um, because, you know, obviously, why would a team want to kick off to start the game and then kick off to start the second half? You know, guys, I thought there was something strange about it, the way he said it. And, you know, the first thing, again, I and I have, you know, I when I was with DallasCowboys.com, you know, I was at the star watching these games, so I didn't always see the coin tosses and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, with the stadium, there was something to maybe do with, you know, the lighting, with the sun. You know, maybe they were trying to play the old sun rule, you know, that, okay, well, at this, at this quarter, the but, you know, late in the year, the sun doesn't seem to be a problem. So I was kind of confused why. You know, they wanted to, to, to do, you know, play the way they did. And, you know, I, and the, the first thing that really came to mind other than, well, I should say the sun came to mind. But then, you know, the Rams in the second half had been outstanding at taking drives and scoring points. I think they were like seventh best in the league when it comes to second half scoring of taking the first drive. And I'm thinking, oh, damn, here they've given the ball twice. You know, they're going to give the ball to start the game and to give the ball, you know, to start the second half. And then, you know, and then Forbath kicks the ball out of bounds to start the game. And now I'm really kind of in a panic mode. But, you know, the league, uh, you know, the league went through. And like you said, they watched the video and and said that, you know, wait, he did say the word defer. And, you know, and it's funny to listen to to Tank Lawrence talk about, you know, he, he's basically blurting out that, no, no, we'll kick. You know, he wants to play defense. But, you know, this is stuff that you really you think about when you go out there, you know, whether – it's weather conditions or, uh, you know, if a team's really, really good in the second half of, you know, taking drives and getting points. And like this case, you know, the Rams, I thought that was one of the reasons why the Dallas would defer because you didn't just didn't want to give the Rams the ball to start the second half. You know, and obviously, I mean, you like to double down, the potential to double down. The Rams definitely uh, didn't know. Because after the Sean Lee interception, you know, the Cowboys ended up scoring to make it 28-7. I thought the Rams might take a timeout. Instead of letting the clock kind of roll down and let the Cowboys, you know, get the ball for the final time in the half, you know, the Rams are an aggressive team. We, we know that and how Sean McVay operates. I thought they were going to take a timeout and, you know, try to get the ball with the minute left in the half or whatever if they couldn't get a stop. Or even if they were able to get a stop, you're still taking those timeouts and had time to get the ball back. Um, and they ended up being down 28-7. to seven. Maybe it doesn't matter, but – Right, down 28-7, getting the ball is way different than down 28-7 and going to kick off the ball in the second half. So, yeah, it was very clear that they didn't know. And then maybe it was a good thing for the Cowboys to start out on defense because you know they've had the ball the last few weeks. They've had the ball first, it seems like. Um, and then they make a couple of plays. I, I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'm being hyper-specific um, right now. I thought getting Antoine Woods back was a pretty uh, big, important thing in this game. You know, that first drive, he made two plays tackling Todd Gurley, and the Cowboys ended up getting the ball back on a three and out. Or no, not three and out. I guess, I guess there was the Robert Quinn penalty on the holding. Yeah, six but, plays in the first drive, yeah. Yeah, six plays in the first drive. But still, they got a couple of tackles uh, and kind of stopped the run. The Rams were really unable to get the run game going, and I thought the Rams were going to be able to run all over them today. So getting Antoine Woods back and playing with a little bit of range from that one tech defensive, uh, defensive tackle spot, I thought that was important to get him back in the mix. Yeah, no, he played with a chip on his shoulder. There's no question. And probably a little bit more embarrassed, you know, about what happened with the off the field, you know, with the charges and stuff, with the possession of the, 
of marijuana and things. And, you know, I mean, it's probably a rough week for him and, you know, having to deal with that. And, you know, he, he came out and you're, you're absolutely right, KT. He set the tone very, very early in that game. You know, again, the Rams trying to give you the eye candy with all the movement and stuff like that. But, you know, the Cowboys defenders did a great job of hanging in there. And, you know, we've, we haven't seen nearly enough negative plays. You know, we expected so many negative plays from these linebackers. And, you know, uh, but it was the defensive line. It was the defensive tackle, you know, that uh, with Woods getting up the field, getting into the backfield, you know, being a part of that. You know, I, I was like, uh, like you guys, I was worried about them just Todd Gurley just, you know, getting, uh, you know, the ball run down your throat, you know, much like it did in that playoff game. But, again, give the defensive uh, – the tackles a lot of credit. Give uh, give Woods a lot of credit. Give the linebackers some credit, too, for the way that they were able to kind of fill and, and not let the, uh, the Rams have any type of momentum when it came to running the football. And then with Antoine Woods, too, I mean, he's an L.A. guy. Uh, he obviously he got taken out of that game because of an injury, um, so they didn't really have him in the second half. And he and he certainly throughout the game wasn't playing at hundred percent in that playoff game. And you know, Demarcus Lawrence talked a little bit after the game about how that playoff game was on a lot of their minds on the defense because uh, they were pretty embarrassed with the way that they played in in that game. And now that seems such a long time ago. And obviously, there's been other problems for the Cowboys that it actually kind of surprised me a little bit that they even were referring back to that game. But particularly the way they lost with them dominating on the ground. And that, I mean, it was the Rams outrushed them 273 to 50 in that playoff game, both backs over 100 yards. And it was just, I don't know, I never would have imagined that the Cowboys would have flipped that on them and they'd be the ones outrushing. I think it was, I got 263 to 22, and both Tony Pollard and Zeke both go over 100 yards. Just, I don't know. It was just, it was just so weird that it was like a complete flipped game like that. I just, there's no way I would have, I would have expected that at all. Like, I could see the Cowboys losing this game in a close game and playing well, and 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 hey, they just didn't make the plays in the end. But to to just dominate the Rams the way that the Rams have been playing recently compared to the way the Cowboys have been playing, the only thing I can put my finger on is maybe just having a little bit, a couple extra days after that last loss to kind of just take themselves away from it, almost have like a little mini bye week to kind of take themselves away. Sure. Maybe that helped them. That's the only thing I can come up with. Well, no, I, I think that to me, the, the really good sign of starting this game, other than, again, you know, Forbath kicks the ball out of bounds. And the, I mean, immediately you can feel the air. I know, John, I don't know about your end of the press box, but my end of the press box down that far end was just like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? And then for the the Rams to only get to the Dallas 46 and have to punt, I think that was just a great sign right there that, okay, you know, as bad as that start was, they could have gone, oh, here we go again. You know, could have given up an easy touchdown or something like that, a big play, a screen, you know, for a big play. And then they didn't. They, 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 they did a great job making the Rams punt, making the Rams basically punt the first two possessions of the game that 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 they had, you know, uh, the ball at the Dallas 46 and then the ball at the Rams 45. The fact that they, you know, didn't allow the Rams to really get going. And it was really only that, you know, that third drive where they where they were able to, to score the touchdown. I, I really don't count what happened at the end because at that point in time, it was just, you know, it, it was that garbage stats and stuff like that. And but, you know, for them to, to them to get off the field, uh, you know, after, you know, allowing just those 12 plays, but not allowing any points, I think said a lot about the direction the defense was playing. And, and, and really, you know, they had the bit between their teeth and they were not going to allow the Rams 
to to make big plays and, and to score early in this game. And you know, lo and behold, the Cowboys after that first punt, they they went on just a you know a rampage with the four touchdowns and stuff like that, and some some seriously long drives. So you know, that's I think where that first half, I think that's where the game was really really one for the Cowboys, especially defensively in those first two drives for the Rams. Yeah, the Cowboys' second possession, as John mentioned in the beginning, you know, it was one of those days where it seemed like everything ended up going the Cowboys' way. You know, Dak throws an interception, and there was a holding on Lyle Collins, but there was also pass interference on the Rams. So the playoff sets, and then on third and ten, Dak does a great job of getting away from Dante Fowler, and he's rolling to his right, and he throws it up, and Amari Cooper makes a catch while getting drilled for 20 yards. And, uh, you know, just kind of keeps the drive going because that was a third and ten right there. You know, they kind of got lucky with the offsetting penalties. And then they end up keeping it going, getting Zeke going a little bit. They got Pollard into the mix on a toss. And then on third and ten, uh, they cap off a 15-play, 90-yard drive with Dak hitting Jason Witten, a one-handed touchdown catch. Uh, you know, a catch that will be uh, one of the best in Witten's career probably. You'll see that one for years. Uh, to make it 7 nothing, and then you're going, what in the world are we watching right now? They're going to play good today, aren't they? Because uh, that drive was really impressive going 90 yards. See, uh, but I'll say this. I really didn't I didn't really get that feeling off of that. And the only reason why I say it is because they've had some pretty good opening drives offensively. Yeah. Like, they've had, I mean, that one in Chicago, that opening drive, that thing, I felt like it ate up like three quarters. I mean, they, just, they were just controlling it, going right down the field. I thought that that was going to be a good omen for the day, and it wasn't. Um, but real quick, I wanted to add about the Witten thing. You know, Brian, we saw some of those plays out at training camp, uh, particularly in red zone drills where, you know, early in training camp, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I wonder what Witten's got. Let's see what Witten's got. And he made some one-handed grabs and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess Witten is kind of still got it a little bit. And you hadn't really seen it, let's say, throughout this season and whatnot. But it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, two years ago uh, up in San Francisco. He had a one-handed catch kind of in the back of the end zone where, I mean, he's got great hands and and – it is interesting, though, because, you know, him and then obviously the day I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, that Sean Lee had. It really is like kind of a turn back the clock day. And because those two guys played the way they did and made those those key plays, I think that the rest of the team fed off of that, too. So it wasn't just like anybody else had that play uh, to come from two of the team leaders like that. I think I think was a good omen for the rest of, for the rest of that game. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I kind of felt like that. Witten was going to be one of those guys that could help Dak Prescott on those third and five situations or third and four situations. And, you know, I mean, to start the game, they hit him with that little spot pass to kind of get him going. And, you know, that's what Witten can do. I mean, he can make those those catches underneath and, you know, but to make the catch that he made down the field the way he did and, and to, you know, stick his hand up and, you know, and, and make that play and then, you know, have the presence of mind to secure the ball and get into the end zone. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of people that have been throwing dirt on Jason Witten. You know, I mean, I've been very critical of Jason Witten at times. I mean, I feel like, though, you know, he's been a liability as a blocker, you know, but it, it, at times. But you watch today some of the runs that Ezekiel had had, you know, he's got that, you know, the, his nose in there. He's got his hands inside and he's kind of getting a guy turned out and. You know, I mean, there was uh, I mean, just a lot better play overall. You know, that some of these guys that they really, really, really rely on to make plays, you know, had not been making plays the last three weeks. And, you know, they got those guys to come to the forefront today. Again, I, I think the tight ends overall, you know, you look at Blake Jarwin, he just continues to make plays. You know, he had a couple of catches for, 
over 20 yards in that then that long drive that they had you know one of them was a big third down catch that he made so you know they they've got the the guys that if you know they can if they can get these tight ends going you know in these games again like a guy like Witten can be helped down in the red zone and you know and Jarwin you get him in the field to play I mean he's a hard guy to cover you know so uh, you know they just need to kind of continue to to keep finding ways to get those guys the ball. You know, when Jarwin's in the game, you always feel like – or when the ball's thrown to Jarwin, you always feel like something's going to happen after the catch. With Jason, you rarely feel like anything's going to no, happen after the catch. you're going to get the first down. Yeah, you're going to get a first down yeah. or you're going to get some type of a – you know, maybe, like I say, a good red zone play. But, yeah, no, you're right, KT. I mean, with Blake Jarwin, that ball, it's like – he it's like 12 guys around him somehow or something. And, you know, he's – He's and he's running through guys. You know, he's standing in bounds along the sidelines, making more positive yards and good vision. Yeah, I, I just, just a really impressive player. Well, then the Rams do respond though. Nine plays, seventy-five yards. They score the two big plays in that drive. The last play of the first quarter, kind of threw it out to Josh Reynolds on the left, and he gets a lot of yards after the catch for twenty-eight. And then they hit Higby, which is another just kind of short pass on the right side, and he goes for twenty-six yards. And they had flipped the field and were about to score, and they ended up uh, punching it in with Goff throwing to Todd Gurley for two yards, 7-7. Cowboys answered, and I thought this was huge because, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who's not necessarily – I've been calling for more Pollard and more Jarwin. I haven't been calling for more Tavon Austin. But we've seen them have execute this play a few times this year. And basically, you know, Tavon Austin running a deep crosser and – the, basically, the traffic, it, it, it creates the Rams defenders to run into each other. And Dak uh, goes ahead and, and slings it across the field to Tavon Austin for 59 yards and a touchdown to make it 14-7. to seven. That was huge because, you know, we talk about shutdown innings in baseball or getting a quick stop after you've scored points. Well, after the Rams kind of took it right to you once you got up 7 nothing, to score in three plays was really impressive. Yeah, I thought I thought the play call was really good too. And you're right, they moved the pocket. And Dak Prescott and John, I think you were in there in the in the in the post game with Dak, and you know he was talking about it was not really a favorable look for them. But you know, and again, give uh, give Blake Jarwin a lot of credit because he did a, a a nice job of taking his man all the way across the field, and then you have the collision. You know, with uh, with Austin's guy right there, and it'll you know it just I was surprised just how open I'm like my gosh how do you get that open, and but you know you got the collision right there in the middle of the field, and a lot of it had to do because Blake Jarwin was really hustling to get his guy. He knew he had to get to a point in order to create that potential collision, which they got. But uh, just a great job of. Uh, you know Prescott avoiding and moving to his right, and then firing that ball all the way across the field. That's a that's a pretty play when it works the way it did. Yeah, fifty nine yards. I never would have thought that Tavon Austin would be their leading receiver of fifty nine yards. It just I look <laughs> at that stat sheet and you look you look at what you got out of Cooper, Gallup, and Cobb. It just I don't think anybody would have predicted that they would have won. If you just showed somebody those stats, you're, if, if you're like, hey, I didn't get to watch the game, uh, you know how'd the receivers do? And I'm like, well, Cobb, Gallup, and Cooper, they combined for 22 yards and three catches. I mean, you would have thought that is a blowout. I mean, seriously, like, no, I can't even believe that. That to me is the most stunning stat for well, this I, game. Well, I want to ask you guys this question, you know, and I, I was doing a little radio the other day, and, you know, I, I, I posed a question to the guys I was working with. I said, you know, what would you rather see, a 300-yard Dak Prescott passing game or Ezekiel gaining 100-plus yards in a game, you know? 
And, it, you know, it's, it's really funny. Their record in, you know, I'm terrible with math, but when they get the 100-yard rusher now, well, but going into this game, when they had the 100-yard rusher or the quarterback rush for 100 yards, they were, you know, their winning percentage was right at 800. When they get, but a quarterback, when Prescott throws for over 300, they were at like 333. So it's kind of a funny thing. And again, I, I'm not trying to say, oh, well, you know what, they, they, they shouldn't, just shouldn't throw the football because I, I believe they have to throw the football. And there was a side of me early in the season I didn't believe that Dak, and I know KT, you believed in him, and, and good for you for believing in him. But I didn't want to see him throw the ball like, like uh, what Jared Goff threw today, 50, you know, 51 times. I, you know, I didn't think he could do that without making mistakes, but he's capable of doing that. But, you know, he had, he had a really, you know, an unusual stat line today with the, you know, 15, you know, com, uh, 15 completions at a 23 attempts, 212 yards, but the couple of touchdowns, you know, that's really all they had to have today because they were running the ball. And it, it's just a different team when they, when they do show that, I mean, it really wasn't balanced today. It was just their ability to play really good defense and then run the football. That that's what won this football game today. You know, it wasn't Dak Prescott having to throw the ball over the park, even though he made some really good throws. The Witten throw, you know, I mean, Witten made a great play. But then Austin, they get what they want out of that. But that wasn't Dak Prescott going out there and winning that football game today. That was just that was just an offensive line, some tight ends blocking, and some running backs running with some some really good toughness against a Ram defense that had played pretty well against the run, especially on first down. I think they're one of the best in the league when it came to not allowing a, a, you know more than four yards of carry. They were well they were like under three and a half. So you know give give the Cowboys a lot of credit for for winning a game that they just were more physical than what the Rams were. And I completely agree with you on the having you'd rather have the Zeke 100 yard game and the reason why, is it's it's more than just even on their offense. It's what it does for that that defense. Yeah, I mean, you brought this that isn't up just, last week, and that was a really good point. That's a very yeah, good point on that. It just, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, even twenty fourteen. It's, I mean, Tony Romo was playing some of his best ball, but the reason why they were winning those games is because they were dominating time of possession, like in this game, time of possession thirty six minutes to twenty three, and and that's the thing. Like this defense, if it's on the field too much and it's playing that style of game. Of, of the passing it, you know, Dak's throwing for a lot, but so is the other team's quarterback. That's not where this defense thrives at all. This defense thrives when it's got limited possessions and it can kind of capitalize because its offense has this long play drive one after another, wearing out the other team, keeping the other team's offense sitting on the sideline. And, and hey, maybe maybe it's the identity of this team, but the players have changed. But the coaching staff is, I mean, it's had Garrett, Rod Marinelli. Those have stayed the same since those, those previous teams when DeMarco Murray was doing this. But for, for this particular franchise, since Jason Garrett's been a head coach, that's been the blueprint for them to win. It's, it's really been, yeah, you're going to need your quarterback. To, there's going to be those games you need them. But throughout the, the length of the season, you're better off if you have those. If you have to pick one or the other, you got, you just have to take the 100-yard rushing game. And that's why I was kind of clamoring for them to show, and they did show it in the first three weeks of the season and other times of the season. So I was clamoring for them to show that they can be that throwing team at times because deep down I believe they can win this way, the way they won. Uh, maybe not so today, but if, if it comes down to, hey, we need Zeke to go 25 times and we want to keep Dak under 30 passes and kind of the 2016 formula, if that makes sense. You know, I, I believe they can do that. And I think deep down they believe they can win that way. I think the head coach, what you just said, believes that's what they are. But I think it's very important that when it's not going to work out that way, that you are able to make plays down the field 
and in the passing game. And that's why I was, you know, really clamoring for them to show that early in the season. And they did. So, I mean, the Cowboys can beat you. This looked offense, it maybe hasn't been as efficient as you would like, but this offense can beat you in a number of ways, whether it's running the ball, throwing the ball, getting a, a lot of people involved, controlling the time of possession, all those things. Uh, protecting the ball too, you know. You know, you think back to some of the big losses earlier in the year. I mean, where's this team at if you take away some really key turnovers in some of those big games? Well, maybe they're, New Orleans, yeah. Maybe they're nine and five or ten and four right now. You know, if Witten doesn't fumble and Zeke doesn't fumble in some of those big games, you know, maybe that's where they are. But that's that's why it was very important because the whole formula that I call it the 2016 formula, but John Dwight 2014 is kind of where this started. But I think Zeke kind of. Uh, is an emblem of that with the draft pick and everything. They can do that. We know they can do that sometimes. Uh, they, deep down, they believe that. Uh, there's going to be times in the playoffs where you get down and you got to go win it the other way. Um, and if you're going to play this way and Dak's going to not throw the ball 30 times, then you have to be ahead. And we haven't seen yeah, them no, get ahead they, very often. Yeah, they haven't been able to. They haven't been able to build any leads. But but you know, guys, and I don't know about you, but the the last three games that, you know, during the losing streak, you know, we always trying to kind of figure out, okay, a player of the game, you know, you always have to have the old player of the game thing, even though you're losing it. But we were always looking at Ezekiel Elliott, you know, at 71 yards, 80 yards, 75, whatever, you know, he was still running the football and probably would have had several 135, 140 yard games. If in fact they hadn't gotten behind, you know, and they had to throw and they had, you know, the defense just, Letting them down. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott has been the problem here. I just think that they, the game does get away from him, especially the last three weeks. You know, I, I would personally have liked to have seen in that in that New England game with the way the conditions were. Bill Belichick said, hey, I'm going to beat you with defense and special teams. You know, Ezekiel Elliott was running the ball well enough. And I, I think Dak Prescott should have ran the ball a few more times instead of throwing it as much as he did. But, you know, anyway, I mean, that's another another thing. But I think you're right, Keith. I think this team has the ability to beat you a lot of different ways. This this way, to me, was the most impressive way to, to, to beat a team. When you, you can physically, you know, get after somebody and have 263 yards total rushing, you know, against a team that I feel like has, has played pretty good defense again the last eight weeks. You know, I think that says a lot about your team or the capabilities of your team. It's 14-7. They get the three and out. Hecker bombs a 67-yard punt. Pinned the Cowboys inside their own five. They start at the three-yard line, and then this was kind of the drive of the game, in my estimation. Eight-minute drive, 14 plays, 97 yards. You got a lot of Zeke going. Um, You had Tony Pollard come in. You had Blake Jarwin with a couple big catches in that drive. And the Cowboys end up finishing it off with the Zeke touchdown run at around the two-minute warning mark. Cowboys go up 21-7 with a 14-play drive. That was, you know, you know, again, as John mentioned earlier, they've had some early successful drives the last few games. But this one was really special, especially coming off a three and out when he had scored quickly. That was a very huge part of this game and really sucked the life out of the Rams. Yeah, I feel like the you know with the Rams, you know that 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 drive, you really wore them down. You know, you you come off a you come off a ninety yard drive for your first touchdown in the fifteen plays, you know, and you take six twenty one off the clock there. You turn around and you get another, uh, you know, you get another 
touchdown. But again, you're going 70, you go 75 yards only in three plays. But to, to come back and then you get, you know, like you said, KT, almost eight minutes off the clock, 757 comes off the clock. And, you know, think about that. So basically, you've taken a whole quarter, you know, uh, away. You know, you made the Rams play defense for a whole quarter and you've made them have to absorb a lot of plays. You know, you look at the situation that's, you know, that's like, you know, 30, 32 plays right there in three series that they had to deal with. And, and, I, and I felt like that that was one of those things that, that really, you know, it allowed not only the Cowboys defense to have some rest over there, even though they're playing very well, they didn't have to make many adjustments. They kind of got things figured out over there. But again, it, it gave them the opportunity to, to kind of uh, to get a little rest and then think about the rotations and because, you know, it was going to turn into a passing game because the, the Rams, you know, they had fallen behind and they, they, they had to throw the football. So, they you know, it's good that you were able to get that little bit of rest over there. And, and this is really one of the first times that you go this deep into the game and it really felt like you were seeing an old-fashioned Ezekiel Elliott game, not that he's been here forever, but it just it seemed like it was going to be his day, not only just as a runner, but also there were some passes that Dak threw to him and it just – I don't know. It seemed like he was getting some. He was finding some space. He was, you know, he just looked like the like the old Zeke. And and so while I don't think that that's all on him, I think the offensive line played one of their best games. Um, I think that 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 obviously helped a lot. I just it still it, it stunned me that he was able to have. I mean, think at, at the point of this touchdown, I believe he was around seventy five yards rushing already. You know, in the first half, I never thought that that was going to happen against a, a defensive line that had Aaron Donald on it. And it was it was fun to watch the way that he moves around on that on, on that defensive line. I mean, uh, you know, you can only double team him so much and, and they they know what kind of weapon they have in there. I did not think that they would be able to neutralize him the way that they did. But when you saw that kind of going in that way and Zeke kind of gaining momentum like that, you were kind of like, well, where is this been? This is exactly the recipe that they need to be kind of clicking on all cylinders. And so, and then obviously, you know, they're about to get the ball back too. And and then he, you know, caps another one. It just, I don't know. I just really felt like it was your traditional Zeke, the way he was out there, the way he was moving around, the way he was celebrating. Uh, and I think this team's at its best when he's playing like that. Well, I think it says a lot too, the fact that if you look at the Rams tackles and I don't mean the defensive tackles, because, you know, yeah, you're right. They did a great job on Aaron Donald. I can't wait to see how, you know, that, that all played. I'm sure Travis Frederick was, you know, keeping his eye out over there on Xavier Suofilo. And, you know, also, I mean, it, it, the last time that these two teams met in the playoffs, wasn't one of Zach Martin's better games, but it was against Ndamukong Sue, who was the one that kind of was a factor. And Aaron Donald, you know, this is two weeks or two games now where Aaron Donald was not as big a factor as we thought he might be coming in this game. But, you know, you look at the tackle situation for the Rams and, you know, the fact that Taylor Rapp had 10 tackles, and Corey Littleton, the linebacker, had 12 tackles. That's that's right there. I mean, that's second level right there. That's you know that's you know four or five yards a shot running the football. Maybe even a little more. You know, when you get a linebacker and then you get a safety having to make as much as Taylor Rapp plays down. Still, you know, they weren't able to control the Cowboys' running game. You know, like they like they they they, they thought they probably could have. Uh, you know, when they when they were breaking the tape down and. And saying, okay, well, this is what we have to do to to uh, to win this football game. We got to find a way to choke the run, and the Cowboys' defense was the one that choked the run, and not the Rams' defense. We we uh we have it covered from all angles here on about them Cowboys. You guys are both obviously in the press uh, press box. Uh, for me, I enjoyed the game from the comfort of my couch as I always do, and I remember kind of perking up a little bit 
as uh, Joe and Troy on the Fox broadcast kind of at the two-minute mark or right – it was actually after the Sean Lee interception. Uh, it was kind of their first mention of Aaron Donald since the starting lineup. And I was like, yeah, man, they've been doing a good job. I don't know – again, the tape will have to, to show this – but I felt like they were kind of doing more just kind of man-on-man type run block schemes rather than trying to do, you know, a traditional they try to work in a lot of zone runs and things like that, allowing Zeke to cut back. But, and you can't run zone against Aaron Donald because he just slices through the gap when the lineman's going in that direction. So it felt like they were directly hitting him from, from, a, from afar. And, again, it, the tape study will, you know, clear everything up. I thought this was the best game Travis has played in weeks. Uh, from what I was just kind of watching, just kind of watching that area of the field during the game. So uh, who knows? That may not mean anything once you get the tape study back. But from what I was looking at, I thought Travis played really well today in the middle. And, you know, this hasn't been Travis's best year. And he's obviously recovering from a serious uh, disease and all that stuff. But that's a very good sign, especially you get into December. And if you do have to go on the road at some point and have to go play outside like you will next week in Philadelphia – you know, the Cowboys want to go bully the Eagles a little bit. Well, if you're getting the run game going the way we know they can, and you start to get going there, man, I, that's where you start going, well, now they're, now they're dangerous. Because if this is the offensive line of old, if they get that going again, then then maybe you're good. Now, again, like John said earlier, though, just one game. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, plant the flag here or anything like that. But it is a, a situation where it was very – uh, it gives you a, a real sense of optimism heading into next week. Yeah, I, I'm I'm one of those guys that believes that you look at you look at what they were able to do up front, you know, and and that that was where uh, you know I I was worried the most. I, I really I didn't know okay how are they going to block Fowler, how are they going to block Matthews. I know KT, you probably have a, a thought that maybe Matthews was washed up anyway, and that's why the Packers moved on, you know. And it's a team you watch a lot. And, you know, I, I just kind of felt like, you know, how do you find a way to, you know, block these guys? How do you block my, uh, Michael Brockers? How do you block, you know, how do you block Aaron Donald? How do you block these guys? And, you know, the Cowboys did a really nice job. I mean, it, it just, it, it, you, you're talking about Travis Frederick and, you know, he does such a, a nice job of working with those other guys. He's so cerebral in the way he plays. You know, he, he makes sure that everything up front, he's passing calls, and everybody's kind of on the same page up there. That's why they've been one of the best in the league when it comes to, you know, not allowing sacks. They don't allow a lot of pressure, you know, uh, you know because of busts or things like that. But, I, you know, I, to, for them to run the football the way they did, you know, this tells me that, you know, Lyle Collins – you know, Tyron Smith, uh, Xavier Suofilo, Travis Frederick, and Zach Martin, and those tight ends, they were coming off the ball. And they were getting – those blue jerseys were getting into the white jerseys. And Ezekiel, there was a couple times, you know, just being live at the game where there was a little bit of a hesitation, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm not going to hesitate anymore. I'm going. And, you know, he was able to take advantage of that, uh, of some of those gaps, the creases – that Travis Frederick went and Zach Martin and Suofilo and and uh, Smith and and Collins were able to to kind of make a to to kind of make work in this football game. So Witten makes the big touchdown catch. How about Old Man River of the defensive side? Sean Lee getting an interception. There's the takeaway we needed right there. Uh, big big interception from Sean Lee with a really nice return. Pretty savvy return right there to get the ball inside the ten yard line. What do you guys think about that? 
uh, stunning to me because, <laughs> and, and, and the biggest reason why is seriously, like I know that he's got that in him, but just the fact that he didn't practice at all this previous week. I thought yeah. that he was going to be a very limited Sean Lee, but he, one of those, I'm not at my best, but I got to go out there because we don't have Leighton Van Der Esch and this is a huge game for us. And for him to play that way, I know this was a really big game for him because once a year he always has a bunch of friends uh, come to a, a, a different game. And this was the game that they all came into town for. And so they were hanging out together after after uh, after the game was over on the field a few hours after. And uh, I, I tweeted out a picture and there's some people responding like, hey, can you bring all those people to Philadelphia too if this is how he's going to play? Um, but no, uh, amazing. Like the, the, my, the thing I will always remember about that play, and, and this is something that – it really is just where we're sitting in the press box. I will never forget the way that the sideline erupted. Like it was like a game winning play or something like everybody was like, and even after the game, Dak talked about that, about how it was like, he, like he can't remember like the sideline being like just how crazy it was over there. Cause it was not only did like Dak said, like he didn't even see the initial interception. It's that, Oh, we got a turnover. And then you look and, and, and Lee is not going down. He keeps fighting. And, and that, that, I don't know. It was just kind of wild to see that because, you know, there's been a little bit of that in Chicago and, and even against the, in Buffalo where you're just kind of like, where's that like kind of emotion and where's that team kind of getting fired up from even when good things would happen? And you didn't really see it, but th- that Sean Lee interception just really ignited everything. It was just like, finally something broke for us. Uh, one other thing I wanted to point out about that I thought was funny is, you know, a lot of people in the press box and obviously on the radio call as well, were just kind of like, man, when's the last time that Sean Lee had an interception, you know, and everyone's kind of scrambling, let's look this up or whatever. So it's week 14 in 2017. And so people are like, man, it's not since 2017. So I'm like, okay, well, Sean doesn't play all the time. When's the last time Byron Jones had an interception? It's actually six weeks before that one. So I don't know. I just, I thought of that because Byron's always on the field. I know he doesn't get thrown to a ton, but it was just kind of like, when's the last time Sean Lee's got an interception? What about Byron Jones? Yeah, like, what about where, your core? Where are those at? <laughs> yeah, so that's why I was just like, and, and it's not necessarily a shot at Byron Jones. I'm just saying that I thought it was funny that everyone's like, When's the last time Sean Lee's had interceptions? Like, yeah, 2017. I mean, I guess it's kind of, yeah. but everybody kind of saw 2018 as being kind of the Leighton Van Der Jalen Smith show. So, I don't know, but crazy play. I didn't, I, I didn't expect that. And obviously, that was a huge, uh, huge factor, ignited the whole team. And then even the way he played throughout the game, he certainly didn't look like a guy that missed practice. No, and that's the great thing about Sean Lee is that you know that he is going to prepare like no other to you know to be ready for a game and you know the the tape study and all the things that he does to get ready and you know he doesn't practice all week and you know he goes out there and this is the first game in his career where he had an interception and a sack you know he he ran over Todd Gurley to get that sack I mean he did not let Todd and Todd Gurley generally is the pretty good blitz pickup guy and Sean Lee was having none of that you know and so you know, and and the fact that they, you know, the fact that they dressed, brought up Chris Covington, and dressed him for this game, they probably were worried about Sean Lee. They probably were worried, like that. Oh, you know, we're we're in a situation now where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's hurt, and you know, we're down a linebacker, and we're having you know Chris Covington. But heck, it wasn't Sean Lee that went by the wayside. You know, they they lost, uh, you know, Luke Gifford, you know, to a a broken arm and then and Joe Thomas, you know, to his injury. So, you know, they were down linebackers. So really they couldn't afford Sean Lee not to, you know, not to play, you know, and not to play at a high level. And, and he was able to to do that. You know, you guys mentioned something about the you know, interceptions and defensive backs and things. I think you have to give a tip of the hat to, uh, to a woozy in this game, you know, and I, 
I'm one of these guys that have been really, really critical of the way he's played. And, you know, him, Jordan Lewis, you know, Jordan Lewis making some plays. I was really worried about Jordan Lewis and Cooper Cup in this game. You know, I, I didn't feel like that was a great matchup for the Cowboys, even though I'm a huge Jordan Lewis fan. But I think Awuzier was outstanding in this game. You know, I mean, when they tried to go his direction, you know, he was in position. You know, he wasn't reaching, grabbing, lunging, you know, holding. All those things that we've kind of seen from him, you know, throughout this season, I felt like he kind of put some of those things behind him. He was in really good position on some of these routes, you know, able to to defend, to run, not have separation. So, you know, give some credit to him and Xavier Woods, Byron Jones, those guys, they were able to kind of do some things against a really, I think, a pretty good receiving core that they run a lot of picks. They run a lot of these things where they kind of drag you through trash and all that. And these guys did a great job of holding up when they really, really needed to. Absolutely. And I don't want to uh, – they ended up punching it in, Zeke, with the touchdown, 28-7. I don't want to continue going through the uh, the whole game you know, throughout the second half because it did quickly get into garbage time. In fact, the Cowboys drive down on the first drive, get a field goal. Let's uh, let's go to the kicker real quick. The kicker looked pretty good right there. Uh, three field goals made, all pretty much uh, dead center. Uh, everyone feeling a lot better about the kicking situation after one game? Well, it has to be really unnerving if you're the head coach and you really – all you've done is kind of watch warm-ups and, you know, you maybe have a little bit of idea of, you know, when you brought him in, you know, this kicking in practice, you know, it's, it's not live. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very troubling. And I, I've been a part of some teams that have had bad kicking situations and, you know, you just don't feel good about it. And, you know, the fact that he sent four bath out there for a 50 yard field. And now that now the kickoff, the first kickoff and all that stuff, that's just god awful. I mean that that's just really just god awful. And you know, and you're just like, Mike, you know, what are you doing? And you know, <laughs> the fact that the Rams get the ball at the forty, and you're thinking like, okay, here they go, they're going to go score on this drive. But but yeah, I you know, for four bath to to go in there, and and I think the most important thing is not his confidence, but the confidence of the team. You know, I mean that that is just something you're just. You know, again, it's a scout sitting up there watching the game. You're holding your breath. You're thinking, okay, we brought this guy in. Please deliver. Please, you know, please deliver. And, you know, for the most part, like you say, the field goals, the extra points, you know, if he doesn't kick the ball out of bounds, it's a perfect night for that guy. Everything he did, everything they needed him to do, the operation looked smooth, the snap, the hold, the kicks, all that was really, really good. But you just don't know. I mean, you're just, you're putting him out there and you're hoping for the absolute best. And, you know, tonight he made more field goals inside of 40 to 49 yards than what you got from Brett Maher. I mean, just in one game, he outkicked Brett Maher, you know, for the season in making field goals from 40 to 49 yards. And that just tells you how bad the situation was with Brett Maher there. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I thought it was interesting uh, when they signed Forbath uh, last week that I went back and I looked at, you know, what he did and that one game with New England the pri- the previous week when they played Houston. And I noticed that he didn't do the kickoffs there. Uh, Jake Bailey, their their punter, actually handled the kickoffs um, for for the Patriots. So uh, there must have been something there that Belichick saw or somebody on their staff saw that was like, yeah, let's just let's not do this. So, uh, you know, I don't know that he has that. He doesn't have the leg that Brad Maher does, you know, but um, if he can make those feel, that's the thing, like, 
few of us were able to catch up with Stephen Jones after the game, and that, and that was his biggest thing on, on that whole situation. Was it's those it's the ones that's the makeable ones that you got to make. You know, that's the ones that like when you miss those, it's almost like a turnover. And what it does in terms of the morale for the rest of the team and things like that, it obviously has an impact. And so, uh, while you'd like to see those kickoffs improve, and, and I would think they would, um, him making the makeable field goals, making his extra points. Uh, that's by far the, the bigger thing. If he can take care of that and do those things, uh, you know, I think that they'll be fine there. Well, the real trick, guys, will be this week in Philadelphia. And I haven't looked at a weather report or anything like that. John, I'm, I'm sure you will since you're making that trip. But, yeah, I mean, you know, can can you make uh, field goals on chopped up grass, you know, after the Army-Navy game and all that? <laughs> I'm sure that they'll try and sob the field or something like that. We'll see that at the link. But, you know, the weather, the conditions, you know, is it going to be rain, snow? You don't know. And, you know, you, you can't – those hidden yards. I mean, you saw a hidden yards tonight that Johnny Heckard, the punter, my gosh, every time I looked up, he's kicking at 60-something yards or punting at some 60-something yards. But he's those awesome. hidden yards right there, you know, that's flipping the field and things like that. But you can't afford – you know, you can't afford to just, okay, kick the ball to the eight-yard line then all of a sudden – you know, Sanders, the returner for the Eagles, is bringing it back out to the 40 every time or something like that. So, you know, how well he's able to kind of adjust and kick, uh, you know, when we're outdoors and potentially some 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 colder temperatures, uh, you know, we'll see if that uh, if that actually uh, plays in the way, uh, you know, in, in a positive way for the Cowboys instead of a negative. A little advanced weather report looking like as of right now, my models at weather.com are telling me uh, it's 47 degrees, the high, partly cloudy, 20% chance of rain in Philadelphia. Uh, not six-mile-per-hour winds, but we know how uh, volatile uh, the weather can be in the Northeast this time of year, so don't sure. count on that. Guys, is there anything else you want to touch on in the game? I've got a couple things I want to throw at you guys that are not necessarily related to today's game. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to touch on or have anything that's uh, jumping out at you that you want to – to hit on uh, yeah, for specifically game-related. Yeah, real quick on this. You know, I, again, I'm a guy that kicks J- uh, Jason Garrett anytime I can. You know, and I, I thought he had his team ready to play today. You know, and, you know, the, some of the things they went through after the bad loss to the Bears, the time off, the 10 days and all that, you know, gave the players a chance to get away. I thought that was good use of time. But give him, the staff, a lot of credit for the game plan. You know, and uh, offensively, defensively. You know, he did a good job of getting this team ready. Yeah, it's a shame that it's the record is six and seven at the time, and that's maybe what had to motivate him. But, you know, they could have gone out there and, and you know, I, I thought they were going to lose this football game. But to go out and dominate the way they did, you know, I have to give the guy credit for having the team ready to play this week. Yeah, the only thing I would add is just, and I know it's not totally about this game, but uh, it's great to obviously see Tony Pollard have the impact that he did just because – uh, you got to have another guy out there. You know, Z can't just do this all by himself. And and to see another guy like that, who I know a lot of fans have been just kind of clamoring for, like, why doesn't this guy get more touches? To see him have that impact, now I want to see it on back-to-back games. You know, that's that's the thing. Yeah. You know, like, we've seen these these glimpses of when they've absolutely had to win these games and they've played a little bit, a little bit more loose than they normally do. Now they're going to Philly and they're going to play a team that they know everything's on the line with this game. Are they gonna Are they gonna be the same way offensively? Are they gonna call a, a similar type of game where they get Blake Jarwin involved, Tony Pollard involved, and things like that? So 
Uh, that's one thing I'll be looking at. But I, I have to point out real quick here that playing at Philly has been great for Jason Garrett. I know we talked about it in, our, in a preview podcast for the season. And and the team is 7-2 and two at Philly under Jason Garrett. And one of the losses was that game where Romo played a series and Mark Sanchez played most of the game. But uh, for some reason... <laughs> Say what you will about Jason Garrett. He seems he seems to have the, the team ready to play at Philly. And the other thing is just the way Philly's playing right now uh, just isn't very good. So um, the Cowboys should like their chances, but I'll believe it when I see it type thing. I, I want to see them play, you know, two good back-to-back games. And the other thing is just them playing on the road. I just, I don't know. They haven't really played that great on the road this year. So uh, if they play like they did today, they'll, I mean, they'll blow the doors off the Eagles, but are they going to do that? I mean, obviously, we'll see. Yeah, I know that's gonna that's gonna be the trick because you go out and lose the Philadelphia game. This this win against the Rams means nothing. I mean, and I, and I don't mean nothing that it in the standings or thing, but all the effort that you made, the coaching, the game plan, the execution, all those things, the big victory against a team that we feel like is pretty good. You go out there and lose this game to Philadelphia. All that that you did, that positive, uh, you know, thoughts you have in your head just. You just forget this game, and then all you focus on is, okay, why did we go to Philadelphia, and why did we lose this game? So, yeah, I need to find a way to put these games back-to-back. need to get on a run. need to get on a run where you win three straight games and going into the playoffs where you have some momentum where, you know, if you get a team that, that comes in, you know, say Seattle or Minnesota, whoever's, and then maybe they're a little banged up, you know, you, you know, maybe you catch them at the right time. So, again, I'm hoping for hope here. But, you know, that, that's the thing. The Cowboys have got to find a way to go to this game in Philadelphia and, and get that victory and then try to build a little bit more off that. Oh, hey, real quick for KT, for KT and for Kent. I know you yeah. guys were texting before the game about Urban Meyer being in Washington. Uh, Stephen that's Jones, where I was going. Good. Stephen yes, Jones gave that a no He gave it a no comment when asked about that after the game about Urban Meyer being in Washington. Uh, okay, okay, I'm <laughs> glad that uh, I, was, I was going in that direction. Right. And I was going to say this too. If the Eagles, I mean, if the Cowboys would have lost by three scores today, I would still be picking them to beat the Eagles. I got to watch uh, pretty much all of the Eagles and Redskins today. That team's a disaster. I mean, that team is a disaster up and down the roster. I have legit – they're still concerning, I guess, because it's in Philadelphia and it's the division and all that crap. That team, aside from maybe Miles Sanders getting loose or not being able to tackle freaking Boston Scott – I ain't worried about the quarterback. I am not worried about that team at all. Yeah, but it's funny, though. You know, against the Giants, and this is maybe where I think a little bit differently from you, and, and uh, you might be absolutely right about this. I kind of feel like that they could have quit against the Giants in the second half of that game. You know, they were down 17-3, to and, they only, and then they gave up like 24 yards. And again, I understand it's the Giants, but the Giants for the first half of that game were playing pretty well. And, and the Giants in the second half couldn't move the ball at all. And the Eagles were able to move the ball and finish some drives. So, you know, that part of it. And then they go to Washington. And Washington's been playing. Washington's a little bit sneaky like what Atlanta has been. Atlanta's wins, if you look at their wins, yes. they're like against the Saints, the 49ers. I mean, they've got some quality wins. And, the, and you know, running game Moses, Bill Callahan, had the Redskins playing pretty well. You know, they, 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 they were – kind of moving the ball back and forth, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So, I don't know, the Eagles, that was a tough that was a tough game, a tough divisional game, and they've won back-to-back divisional games. And I don't know, I mean, I, I, you might be absolutely right, KT. When I sit down and watch the tape, I'm going to say, oh, my God, these guys are bad in this area and bad in this area and bad in this area. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I just, uh, you know, there's a side of me that says, 
Philadelphia could have quit, especially in that Giants game, the way it was going, and they didn't. So they kind of righted the ship a little bit and at least given them an opportunity to play for something this uh, this weekend coming up. Now, John took us to Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's hanging out in the Washington game, and he's uh, up there with Alex Smith. And my two immediate takeaways were, A, this confirms that he has interest in being uh, in the NFL. And B, we've heard some of the things about the you know college. He knows his reputation in college is not good. No, it can't and get see, a job. I, yeah. I absolutely saw it as a leverage play, though. Uh, maybe this, to me, the most Urban Meyer thing of all time would be to call up his buddy Alex Smith. Hey, Alex, I need you to have me in the booth so it looks like I'm interviewing for the Redskins job because I want the Cowboys to think there's competition to hire me. I think Urban Meyer's the type of guy who wants the Cowboys job badly. Well, I mean, I think he covets that job. Yeah. And I think doing something like that, it felt so spot on for his brand and who he <laughs> is as a person. So that's what I'm going with. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe it'll come out in the media why he was really there. Maybe he was meeting with Daniel Snyder and talking potentially about being that head coach. Because Bill Callahan's not going to be their head coach next year. No, but So is- maybe he – but, I'm sorry. Well, maybe that's a, that's a well, maybe that's a legit job interview happening. But to me, I was sitting there going, "Man, I bet he called up Alex Smith and got himself there to make it because he knows what he's doing. He's a calculated person, <laughs> and he works in L.A. all the time doing college football Saturday. Oh, let me go ahead and go to the East Coast and maybe you know maybe it looks like a job interview, but I'm really just kind of leveraging. Hey, Jerry, do I have your attention now? That's what I thought that play was. Yeah, but he's got Haskins, right? He recruited Haskins, you know, and yep. so that he's looking at, and then he coached Alex Smith at Utah, right? Those are the McLaurin too. Terry yeah. McLaurin, scary yeah, Terry. Exactly. So I you know, I, I think that you know, Urban Meyer to me, that's the cleanest hire you can make. That's the the absolute cleanest one. And you know, Urban Meyer's not dumb. I mean, he he understands. I don't know if he's using his leverage, but you know, he he realizes that that uh you know, the Redskins are a dysfunctional franchise. They really, really are. I mean, if you look at the, the general manager, if you want to talk about it with Bruce Allen, the president and stuff, they really don't, you know, they really don't have, uh, you know, uh, a clear plan there. So I don't know how, if you're a college coach after what happened to Steve Spurrier going in there, I don't know, you know, why you would want to take that job. But then again, people might say, well, why would you want to come to the Cowboys job? But I, I feel like though that you know the the personnel is better here in Dallas. So if if he's coveting a job right now, I, I think the Cowboys one is the one, and I think that's the cleanest. I think that's the cleanest path for Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones uh, to to go get a head coach that that has got some uh, some serious skins on the wall. And John, I know you got a lot on this too, but just think about the comments this week and all that stuff. Just the comments uh, of Steven and Jerry basically saying they haven't contacted anyone. Okay. What's the best way to get Jerry and Steven's attention? I'm in the booth of your division rival. Hey, how, how serious are you guys about this? Like, I just, I, I, to me, it made too much sense. John, I know you got some on this, so far away. Yeah, no, I agree. And that is so, you summed it up perfectly. It is so on brand for Urban Meyer to do something like that. Um, yes. I don't know. I Maybe. Maybe I missed it is, oh, wait, Alex Smith has been hurt all season. Oh, my God. Urban, you could have went to any game this year. Oh, wait, <laughs> exactly. the Redskins have had Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins all season. Wow, this is weird. You could have went to any game this year. Um, Hold on, hold on. Let me check this out. Oh, yep. 
could have went to any NFL game any other year. What are the other games that Urban Meyer's been to? Like, it, and it, I don't know. Just so perfect those pictures of him sipping sipping the coffee too. Like he knows he's exactly so sleazy, what he's man. doing. But I just I go back to I go back to him just saying it blatantly. I mean, he's sitting there on, in an interview, uh, you know, on national television with Colin Coward. He could have sat there and said anything he wanted to about that Cowboys job. But to sit there and go, that's the one. Great city. They got Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott. Hey, loaded. No state income tax. No, yeah. Loaded team. That's the one job in pro football. You say, I got to do that. So, I mean, he knew. I don't know. If you don't think he knows what he's doing, you're underestimating this guy. And uh, they had I some think, great barbecue down there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I all just, that stuff, man. I, 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 when I saw that, that's the first thing I thought of. I'm like, this guy doesn't want to go to the Redskins. This guy's shown exactly. I mean, that's just such a great play right there. And, and hey, hats off to him for, for pulling that off. But uh, that's an interesting one. Um, and I've always just felt like he would be a great fit with, with Dak and he, Zeke. Hey, so. John, did he say no comment with a smile or was it like a – no, 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 no. He wasn't smiling. But it was like the last question. It was like, okay. it was like kind of one of those, okay, guys, I'm out of here. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, but no, gotcha. no, 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 no smile, no. <laughs> I don't know if it, because sometimes he'll laugh and no comment. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. that. It wasn't that. He was pretty serious. He was like, ah, I got no comment on that. And then he, all right, see you guys. And then walked away. Well, I, I think, I think, guys, I think Stephen Jones, I mean, Jerry's out in the forefront, you know, of having to answer the questions. And Stephen Jones has his own shows and stuff. But I think Stephen Jones is doing his due diligence, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, I know my experience working with the Cowboys, there was always a lot of that behind the scenes doing things. You know, you got one or two guys or a gal that was always kind of, you know, getting intel, getting information, uh, you know, making contacts, kind of figuring things out. So, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to hear about Stephen meeting with Urban Meyer and whether it was early in the year or last week, you know, still meetings are meetings and you get to talk to guys about, you know, the job in hand. And, you know, if there's going to, if it's available, would you be interested kind of thing? So I have a feeling that the Cowboys have a pretty good understanding of where Urban Meyer is in his life and, and really what he'd like to do here in the, in the next few years, uh, if, it, if it has anything to do with coaching. All right, I thought that was just a fun angle. Um, all right, man, so we got the Eagles coming up next week. Later on in the week, we'll have the Eagles preview podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. As uh, Man, you look at these. Uh, it's really kind of the ugliest division in, in pro football, but it's up for grabs, and it's uh, the sexiest game on the slate next Sunday. Uh, Cowboys in Philadelphia, 325 game. So we'll get back with you on – Wednesday or Thursday with an Eagles preview podcast. Any uh, final words, thoughts, anything uh, anyone needs to get off their chest, uh, grievances, anything like that that we need to to file away before we uh, say goodbye and uh, continue celebrating this Cowboys victory? Hey, 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 yes. hey, 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 Rabbit. Do you know how to rabbit? Just rabbit. Do you know how to rabbit? We'll be rocking at it. So let's rabbit today. Just rabbit. I know the freestyle God. verses too. I mean, I know them all. I, I know Jackie Slater's verse. I mean, I've, I've got that whole song. <laughs> Nolan Cromwell, former Packers special teams coach or wide receivers coach. Oh, my buddy. Yeah. Nolan Cromwell, absolutely. There's some yeah. really good li- there's some really good verses in that song. Eric Dickerson's got a real shocking uh, verse. <laughs> Dude, it's pretty yeah. wild. 
Uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's worth a YouTube. It, oh, yes. KT did the poly, poly, your poly bunch sing that one last night for you. Polyphonics free didn't cover Ramit like I like I requested. Oh, okay, but I just uh, want to make sure. I, I thought maybe he sang it for you last night at the concert. In 2020, they're having a big all request show uh, over the summer, a big barbecue all request show, and trust me. Tim DeLotter, the, the front man and lead singer, uh, knows that they need to work on Ramit. It's definitely something they're going to have to work on because that's going to be the KT we need, request. Um, we, we need to tease this. Uh, anyway, we're having a, uh, a subscriber meetup with the Athletic DFW listeners. So they need to come. We're doing a live podcast on December 30th at Dots Hop House and Cocktail Courtyard. Um, at I, I think we're doing it at 6 o'clock. And so everyone needs to come out for that. That's an early tease for that. You'll, you'll hear more about it here in the next few days and weeks as we promote it. But uh, put that on your early calendar, local About Them Cowboys listener. All, all of us will be out there doing a live show. It'll be good. We'll uh, drink some beers and, uh, and ram it. If I, if, I could say, if I could say one final thing here, guys, one final thing. If anybody out there who's listening to this, and we appreciate all you people that do that, if you figured out this football team, please let me know. You know, I, I'll send you my email address, <laughs> and you can kind of because you know I, I've I've yet to in in uh, fourteen games really figure out who they are. Uh, again, I felt like that they weren't going to do very well in this football game, but uh, yeah, you know, it's surprising how they play and a chance to win the division. So again, if you're out there listening, thank you so much for all you do. And uh, but yeah, just let me know uh, what this football team really is because I I am I'm struggling with it right now myself. No, I agree. I think that's a that's a really good way to kind of look at it. I mean, this is kind of today's win reminded me a lot of the win over Philadelphia the first time on Sunday night, the night of the the tornadoes and all that stuff. But the, sure. you know they had a bye week after that, so it's hard to really know. They were really kind of right in the ship. Then they had the Giants, which they ended up kind of filing away pretty easily in that game. You know, or at least it was a close game for for a few quarters. But they ended up taking care of business in that game. But I, I just don't know either. And you know, all of it doesn't really matter. It's all about this game against the Eagles, which uh, we'll see what happens. Make sure you're following theAthletic.com uh, all week long, or, or download the app as well, so you can uh, read mobily and check things out. John Machado is going to have. Uh, pieces up all throughout the week as he always does obviously Bob Sturm doing his work uh, as well and uh, we will have the preview podcast uh, for the Eagles game later on in the week hit that Lincoln bio for 40% off by the way at the athletic Lincoln bio Lincoln uh, Lincoln description I mean I should say Lincoln in the show notes if you're listening on iTunes it's uh, the links in the show notes for uh, 40% off so join us take advantage of it and also gift it it's a good Christmas gift uh, Boom, yeah, stocking Get stuffer. your brother, your dad, or your sister, or your mom, or whoever. Just, hey, here's the athletic subscription. Nice. And then you can all talk about uh, what you thought about John Machota's piece. Uh, for Father John Machota, for a special guest, once again, Brian Broadus. For producer Kent Garrison, I am Kevin K.T. Turner. Cowboys win 44-21. We will get you ready for the Eagles later in the week. It's been another episode of About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.